let's get this thing started, shall we? Let's do it. Ready, ready. Um, so welcome to the 2020 co-working edition. This is where we ask 20 questions in 20-ish minutes. Matthew and I are going to try to go 30 minutes here. You know, he and I could talk for three days, probably. I was going to say three hours, but probably three days, more accurate, actually. But um, our intention, of course, for the next 30 minutes is to leave you feeling inspired, informed a bit about the hospitality industry, and, um, and, and inspired, uh, inspired, informed, uplifted. I'm your host, Lisa Skyhane. In this particular edition of 20 and 20, and during the month of June, I've really been connecting with industry experts, operators, vendors, most importantly, of course, our co-working members like Matthew, who help us to keep the lights on uh, at night. And we're learning how together we're gonna weather this storm called COVID-19. Um, co-working as a defined term has been around for over a decade at this point. Executive office suites have existed for 30, 40 plus years. And the real estate industry, much like the hospitality industry has really been impacted by this pandemic. And so I certainly believe in the long run I believe it's about restaurants also, Matthew, but co-working will survive and thrive, but it, it is a question of how long, what does this, the future horizon look like in terms of how we get there. So welcome to today's guest, Matthew Brunwasser, who is the president and CEO of Ember Hospitality, also the director of talent acquisition for the Chef Agency. Happy Tuesday. How are you, Matthew? Happy Tuesday, if that's such a thing. Such a, such a I hope so. Uh, it's uh, really, really a pleasure. I appreciate you the invite, of course. Yes, of course. I, I told you, I think it was fortuitous of me. Uh, at the beginning of the month, we booked most of our guests for the full month. And I thought, who do I want to end this series with? Who is one of the most positive, effervescent, juicy, good juju flowing people that I know? And you, yeah, you popped into my mind. So major, major props to you and, and to your parents for raising you. I know one or two of them is tuned in here also. So well done, mom and dad. Um, so, Matthew, you have an incredible background, obviously, in the hospitality industry. You've worked with some of the, the, the great brands like the Four Seasons, the Lan Ducasse, uh, Jean-Georges Management, the Satai. And then you launched your own business, and you're also working with the Chef Agency, which you'll tell us more about. Um, little fun fact about you, you have a twin, and you also beatbox. Is that right? Yeah, no, I, I knew I shouldn't ever tell you that because I knew it would come back to haunt me at the worst possible time but uh, I, don't, I don't think anyone believes you beatbox unless you actually show us just like a couple beats platform i don't think it's the right platform anybody listening here want to hear a couple of beats yeah Woo! there we go all right, all right. now we're gonna have to schedule another interview just so that it can be me talking to you while you beatbox that'd be great okay so so let's get to it shall we sure let's do it so you did not study hospitality or hotel tourism management in school. So how did you get into it? That's a great question. I mean, uh, first and foremost, I didn't really study anything. So I didn't, I didn't really get attached to anything in the first place. Uh, I was, I always followed my, uh, you know, my, my love for food and restaurants, but I fortunately have an older brother who uh, is a chef uh, now works for dig in on, in their management, but, at the time, restaurant as the executive chef and DM inside Chelsea Market called Friedman's Lunch. Yeah. Uh, when I left school, my parents obviously were like, you need to be bringing in some money while you're living here. So I went to go work for my brother and I, I just fell in love with this, uh, 
this whole idea of being able to provide like a fun experience and just like talk as my job. I mean, I brought food to a table and we just got to talk. You know? I mean, that's, <laughs> I do best. so, uh, you know, that, that whole idea of just my work is to like create memories and create those experiences. Uh, it just kind of felt pretty natural. Like it was, it was just me hanging out at this restaurant, just talking to people. So, you know, from there, I just uh, continued to work for my brother and the idea was to go back to school, but, uh, I got a job with Abigail Kirsch, a big caterer, and then the Four Seasons and just kept finding myself in really fortunate positions with some really, really great brands and businesses. And, uh, you know, it just kind of took off. I just fit in very well. So, oh, yeah, it really, it, it's second nature to you. I, and I can relate, as you know, having worked with Danny Meyer myself for Union sure. Square Hospitality Group with Union Square Cafe for years. I helped open 11 Madison Park, um, managed at the Odeon down in Tribeca, worked with uh, Dan Barber at Blue Hill. Some, some, I mean, we are so fortunate, of course, to be here in New York City, which is one of the, the food capitals and really fine dining experience and um, hospitality capitals of the world. So, yeah. Um, what, what would you say that you love? I mean, you've already kind of revealed it here, uh, your love to talk and connect with people. But what do you really love most about the hospitality industry? Yeah, um, you know, realistically, something that you just you can't really get anywhere else is just like the relationships you end up building uh i still to this day you know, my, my first job in hospitality was when i was 19 years old uh there are people that i met in that year and the year after that i still talk to today mm -hmm. uh, you know who who we only know each other through me serving them a sandwich or a steak or a drink or whatever it might be and yet we were able to build this kind of relationship over maybe even the one or two or four times, maybe more that we got to see each other. And there's just not that many industries you get a chance to, to build those relationships and create those memories, right? Like the, the idea that someone can walk out, uh, they're not going to remember every word you said. They're not going to remember uh, each action that you took. But like if they felt good leaving that restaurant or bar, that's that's a memory, right? So it's just something special you just don't get in many other industries at all. So. Do you think that there is, and this is a little bonus question for you, but but so having worked at the Four Seasons, you know, and anyone, and by the way, I gave uh, this Jack's, J what is it, Jackson Tess? Jackson, yeah, I gave yeah. them a, an actual wave uh, via Instagram also. So thanks, Jackson Tess, for being here. <laughs> Woohoo! I love this guy also, Rob, Rob and Fig, Rob J. Fig. There we go. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I often say that, I mean, you know, I've, I've scaled a co-working business at this point here from 25 to 100,000 square feet. And, and as we were amidst construction for a long time, and I would say, you know, today we're kind of like two and a half seasons. We're not quite the four seasons, but we're like three seasons today, you know, like, you know, I would use this funny analogy because I really... I probably, I think 35 was how old I was the first time I stayed at a Four Seasons. And it was the George Sank in Paris. And, and once I did, I've now stayed in maybe three or four. Um, I've had the privilege of being able to stay in three or four of their properties for one or two nights. And, and I just, and I did it because I have such an appreciation for, for the way that they've made me feel. And so, yeah. You know, is there a distinction between working for some of these restaurants versus like, what does the Four Seasons do that they just get it right? Yeah, you know, I think most importantly is exactly what I was talking about before. It's like they create relationships with people who, you know, brand loyalty in so many parts of the world is just so important, right? So when you're putting your sleep, your comfort, 
your morning routine, your hygiene, your food, so many things in the hands of somebody else or a group of people. When you start to have someone do it to the point where they learn about you, they're, they're taking notes, they're trying to they're trying to get to that point before you even have to ask, right? So they have something called show me, you know me. Uh, it's something that allow you know, every time someone checks in the hotel, whether it's their thousandth time or first time, uh, if it's someone that we need to know about, they're giving you all the information you need to know to all their employees, right? They, they put in the time to learn about the people they're, they're, they're servicing, the people that uh, are staying with them. Uh, and I think when you put in that time to really learn about other people and show that it's, way more about them enjoying themselves and receiving the service and less about you just trying to get through the day and doing it for the heck of it. I think that's when it starts to come back when people are like, I'm not going to go to this place because this guy actually knows my drink and he wants to get it for me the moment he sees it. Right. So it, it's about learning about people. It's about getting to that point before they even give you a chance to get there uh, that I think uh, the four seasons does very, very well. They anticipate needs probably better than anyone or any company ever has. Oh, anticipation. There is a key component of enlightened hospitality, extraordinary hospitality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So tell us about Ember Hospitality, EMBR uh, <clears throat> Hospitality. Why did you decide to launch your own gig? Um, I, you know, there are many reasons why I chose to do it. You know, obviously, I'm just as a, as a human individually, I'm very independent. I like uh, I like being able to make my own decisions, being in control of my own decisions. Uh, I don't really drink for a very similar reason because I like to be able to think about what I want to do and then do that if I want to, right? So it actually translates very interestingly into my work too because I like to be able to try things, experiment and see what works, see what doesn't work. Uh, and being able to do that is very hard when you're doing it for somebody else. You know, a lot of times you have to abide by what they're uh, what their decisions are, what their research is, what they're looking to do. Uh, and, you know, I had learned from some of the best. I mean, being at all those, you know, companies that you mentioned before, I'm very fortunate that uh, the training is obviously, you know, above anything I had ever received anywhere else. And to be able to take that and help others, um, you know, help others get to that point and really help them do that, you know, similar came to primary and to, to be able to bring, a, you know, the hospitality aspect uh, to employees who may not really think about it while they're working, right? I mean, yeah. the whole company is is based on hospitality and, and the service and, and being able to provide that top quality work experience for those who may not have it elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but to not really know so much about it, you know, it, it it's such a helpful thing just to learn and understand what hospitality is. So I decided to do that and try to help others. And through that, opened a few poke bars and, and helped uh, rebrand some other companies and, uh, you know, and helped primary, you know, get to, you know, get to more of a hospitable kind of uh, meaning in, in their work. Right. So uh, just the idea to be able to do that and help others kind of part of me. So yeah. what's the name of the poke company? It's called sweet catch poke. That's right. That's, that's not on your LinkedIn anywhere. I don't think is it? <laughs> You know, I, I did it under the umbrella of Ember Hospitality. So, uh, you know, it, and the brand is a great brand. If you have, if you like poke, go try Sweet Catch Poke. There's five of them all over the city. Are you They're doing takeout? Are you doing takeout and delivery? Full service at our Madison store. So uh, go and get some good, delicious poke. You know, we'd love to have you guys. Oh, poke in the summer. Awesome. 
So, well, so what do you, what would you say has been your biggest challenge, obviously, other than uh, a global pandemic coming up against you and your business? <laughs> Besides that, that small hiccup in the road, um, maybe prior even to March. I didn't even, here's a pandemic. Yeah, I mean, so what, what has been your biggest challenge, would you say, in the last two, you know, two years or so since you launched the business? You know, I think uh, it's similar to, applying for jobs. Uh, it's very hard to differentiate, differentiate yourself just on paper or through a proposal or a, you know, anything of that sort. Um, for me, it's, it's been very hard as a new entrepreneur, new hospitality consultant. There are, there are so many people um, who can do what I do. I mean, what I do is not this unique uh, set of skills. I mean, many people are able to consult in the hospitality world. Um, but you know, something I've always told myself and, uh, my boss at the four seasons, you know, always told me when, when you're trying to sell yourself to others, sell, sell who you are, don't sell your services because they could find those services almost anywhere. Right? I mean, you could find a hundred companies who could come to your retreat and offer those services and do, but you're not going to find a hundred Matthews, right? You're not going to find a hundred people like me or Nicholas or Mujan who I, you know, who my partners and such. So it, it that's been the biggest challenge is being able to get myself in front of other people, mm-hmm. separate myself to the point where, you know, it gets my, gets a conversation uh, with somebody. Once, once I speak to someone in person, I've had quite, quite the success rate uh, in, in building relationships and growing uh, business and, 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 and working with them. Yeah. Uh, but sitting down with someone's very tough. You know, a lot of people are busy. Uh, they don't have the time to hear your, your spiel or your pitch and, uh, they just want to know it's gonna gonna work. It's gonna happen. So that's definitely been my biggest challenge is just you know seeing Matthew Runwasser on paper with a, a new business compared to you know a hospitality house or someone uh, you know who I'm working with now. You see that name and people in the industry are like oh you know crap like that's that's a serious business right. So it it definitely uh, has been a challenge, but. Uh, Fortunately, I'm pretty outgoing, so I can get myself out there. Yeah, I was going to say, you're so committed and hardworking. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's just about building a brand. You're at the beginning of the journey. So there's so much to come. So how did the chef agency opportunity come to be? And how did you start working with them as director of uh, talent acquisition? You know, actually, it's kind of funny. Um, They actually placed me as a candidate uh, six years ago. And you'll find this funny. at Benoit Bistro for Alain Ducasse. Oh. And the person who is doing the hiring is Nicholas, who oh. is actually my business partner, uh, or one of my business partners. And it was, uh, you know, it's very, everything came full circle. I mean, this, this very French man uh, hired me through a recruiting firm for his French restaurant. And uh, we both left there within a year or two, but five years later, we're consulting and building a business. And you know, in the middle of developing a coffee brand uh, to hopefully service some primary members sometime soon as well. And yeah. you know, we're, we're, it, it's, it's really cool that I now get to go back to the chef agency. Uh, you know, Stephen Kamali as a whole has been a, you know, an idol of mine for probably about 10 years. Is uh, he the he, founder he, of the chef agency? Yeah. So he founded the chef agency. He also founded Hospitality House, which came first. So Hospitality House is a advisory firm that helps on build outs and brand wrecking and you know brand development and everything you could think of in the hospitality world and through that Stephen decided you know about six you know seven years ago hey we have all these clients who they just build this new hotel we help them build this new hotel now they need a gm a director of f&b a manager chefs 
So he created this business called the Chef Agency, which is a, you know, a recruiting firm 100% based in the hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. And it's people, you know, it allows this you know, hospitality house to streamline more business and just kind of keep the circle flowing within uh, the revenue streams. And you know, he's just been someone for me. He's a young guy. He's developed a business uh, the way it's meant to be done. Uh, but he's focused on success. It's not, it's not about, uh, you know, he, he wants to be successful, whatever it takes to get there. And that's just kind of the mentality I've had. Uh, so, you know, it's, I'm very fortunate. Uh, when I finished on the Poke project and with Primary and uh, this other catering company I was working with, uh, you know, we finally, uh, I finally said, you know, maybe I'll, I'll talk to Steve and see what's going on see if there's anything open. And, you know, they were looking for a new recruiter to add to the team. Uh, I wasn't really going to him for that specifically, but it got to the point where it just seemed like the kind of job that I could do while also building Ember at the same time. Um, totally. It'd be a natural, I was going to say, it's a natural byproduct of what, for you to encounter other people and based on your breadth of experience with all these different brands. Of course, you know, people in the industry, I even said to you, Hey, my buddy, so-and-so who's a chef looking for opportunities. And look what happened. You know, we, we submitted him for a few jobs and even on the, on the West coast, we went and ate at his restaurant and met him and, you know, again, you know, it all comes back to those relationships. You know, it's everything I, I like to do. Um, I, I just enjoy meeting new people, hearing new stories, learning from them, you know, those types of things. So yeah, this allowed me to do that in the chef agency. I mean, I'm speaking to, especially now, uh, thousands of candidates you know, a, a month, if not more. So, you know. I was going to say, so speaking of now, so what is the outlook, Matthew? You know, you are on the ground talking to operators, talking to chefs, staff. Um, former operators, I'm sure. What's the outlook for our beloved hospitality, re- the re- specifically the restaurant industry? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a tough. There's no denying it's a really tough time right now. Uh, there's nothing to show that we're going to get back to 100. percent You know, uh, in the restaurant world either. I mean, at the moment, I think there's almost 30,000 restaurants countrywide that have closed down, and Ugh, over yeah. 50%, percent, about I think it's like 52 to 53 percent of them have closed down permanently of those 30 mm-hmm. restaurants. So mm-hmm. that's, if that's the number we're at 50%, um, I see a positive and a, a negative, And obviously always I try to see a positive of it as well. Um, yes, there will be a lot of companies, uh, small restaurants, even large restaurant groups, huge. Re- I mean, you know, uh, uh, the, one of the breakfast restaurants just got bought out by another quick service group. I mean, uh, I think Aub- like Aubon Pond or whatever, one of those, yeah. Uh, just got bought out, uh, and you're seeing a lot of people not wanting to extend into the business. But on the other side, we're seeing tons and tons and tons of investors and big businesses and other companies that are actually putting more money into the business, uh, investing in new brands, creating new brands, understanding and realizing that there's going to be a huge void in the market for some specific uh, cuisines and some specific event, com- you know, events and things like that. That this is only going to create new services, new ways of, of, of providing food. The food, I, Honestly, the meal kits at all these restaurants are one of the coolest things to have come from yeah. what's happening because, you know, a, just to bring up an example, a friend of yours, Dan Kluger. I mean, I was going to say Loring Place, of course. Yeah. You know, I used to work at ABC Kitchen where he was yeah. and he, the idea that I can now just buy something from, from, his restaurant bring it home and cook it myself like blue apron but but on on uh crack exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. stone barn 
like a top rated restaurant in the world is offering yeah. these affordable meal kits. And I think, uh, I think one, we're going to start to see a huge trend into more affordable dining. Uh, fine dining is still going to be there, but it's not going to be a huge, huge, huge presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're going to start to see, especially in the event world and the catering world, a lot, a lot, a lot of these companies start to completely pivot into the corporate catering industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, office buildings are going to have to find ways to keep their employees inside and not exploring and just walking around wherever they want. So splitting up a catering kitchen into almost like a ghost kitchen to offer four, five, six different cuisines from one kitchen to be able to offer to these corporate catering, you know, corporate offices to offer high-end catering rather than doing weddings and social catering because it's just not going to be there for a year, a year and a half. It, it might take a while for yeah. that to come out. And, uh, you know, the ghost kitchen game in general, you know, aside from just in the catering world, but, you know, there are ghost kitchens that are growing countrywide right now because the idea that you can order 50, 25 different foods from one kitchen and one company be able to operate that, it really changes the game in, in, in what these businesses can op- in what these businesses can offer. So, yeah, I think you're going to see a huge growth in in ghost kitchens. Uh, you know, event companies are going to pivot into corporate, you know, big time. And I, I think finally you're going to start, you know, especially in the landlord uh, and tenant relationship, I think you're really going to see a lot of landlords actually take like a partnership in these businesses rather than just a straight lease deal. Uh, because long-term success is not guaranteed with a, with a lease deal, but with these partnerships and management contracts, uh, you're much more involved in the business. You're much more hands-on, and you actually you'll you can actually make more long-term in the long run uh, if the business succeeds. So no. I think you have a vested you have a vested interest in their success. Yeah, vested yeah. interest in their success, and also the restaurant doesn't have restaurant doesn't have this this liability of wow we're stuck here for ten years. Uh, whereas hey, this is a partner. I mean, they're going to help us get through the ten years, whether there's downtimes or not. Right. So. I think uh, most importantly, you know, a lot of these restaurants are going to have to speak with their landlords, try to uh, renegotiate, not necessarily the lease, but in renegotiate the, the relationship. Uh, just, you know, what what's it? Is it I don't want to just give you a check every month and you just, you know, send me a, an invoice. I want you involved in our business to the point where you can help and help us grow, whether that's adding our brands to other properties, whether that's taking an equity stake in the whole company, not just the one location. Right. So. I think you'll start to see a lot more landlord-tenant relationship. Yeah, well, but it, but it will. The negotiation would be a, a reduction in base rent and then a, a, a revenue-sharing model yeah. also there, which, again, the, the landlord is incented to aid the, the restaurant, uh, you know, to that extent, because if they're doing well, then in theory, the, the landlord's doing even better than they would, were previously, you know, with, with the prior term. So um, let's shift our talk a little bit since this is the co-working edition, which we're going to close out uh, here at the end of this month. Uh, what made you choose a co-working space for your business? And why did you choose primary? Uh, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, which would probably be most people listening here, it was happenstance that you happened to come and tour our Midtown location, and I wooed you into coming to the You're furthest, lowest point in Manhattan, away from You're where you needed to be. Your two and a half seasons joke got me really good when we first. <laughs> I used it then too. Oh, good. At least I'm consistent. Uh, no, no. Uh, co-working to me, uh, and I've told you this, in, in my opinion, is the future of offices, especially for the next five years. No, not many companies, especially the smaller ones, are going to be getting into these large leases. 
uh, for a one person at the time, at the time, a one person business like myself, uh, the idea of getting a, re a full office space where I have to sign for five or six years just didn't seem feasible or, or even uh, a smart decision by any means. Um, and at the same time, my business is consulting. Uh, networking is like 92% of what I need to do in order to find new business and, and, and work. So the idea that I could join an office space where there's a lot of creatives, which is obviously a big part of the hospitality industry, uh, you know, Bonzo was in your was in your office. Uh, yeah. There's a hospitality, you know, empowered is that right? So there's people there who uh, I knew I could connect with. I knew that I could speak with. And at the end of the day, I there are some chefs that were referred to me even through being there. But uh, I was. Or at the end of the day, you and I could just be talking fifty percent of the time. You're in the space, and there you go. It didn't work. I came there just so I could actually speak with you. <laughs> totally. One of my best friends. Uh, he, I think he was on here before. Uh, Alex Goldstein, his company is in your Midtown location. Oh, uh, so yeah. places, he was like, hey, you got to come check it out. And I did. And uh, actually, I don't know if you realize, but my headshot is in your Midtown kitchen. Uh, oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. I didn't know. I'm, oh, my gosh. Now I'm looking at it here on my screen. I, now I see the greenery behind you. That's great. I used Alex for my headshot. He was in the office. He said, come on by. So, uh, you know, I, I did. I When I went in the office... It, it was very comforting. I didn't want this like, you know, just very, very open, open, crazy space where it was loud. Uh, but I also wanted th that kind of socially acceptable, like, hey, you know, conversation that people are looking for. So, uh, you know, when I saw Midtown, it was a little, little tight for what I wanted. But when I saw Downtown, uh, it was it was exactly perfect. And, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, my business partners were very excited uh, you know, it's uh, it's exciting to get your first office and like uh, get going, and you know, it led to us uh, working together. And uh, oh, Alex is here. There he goes. Nice. Hey, Alex. Alex. Um, but yeah, no, it, I, I couldn't be happier coming to primary. Uh, you know, meeting you, meeting uh, Melanie and, and Tim, and and all these people uh, who really now who shown they have a passion for for, for doing this. It, it's special. So I, I, I love being there. Thanks. Well, and. And well, and it was unexpected, by the way, that, you know, for primary, one of the things that we've prided ourselves on and that we often say uh, as a byproduct of something, my general manager, who also has a background in hospitality, Tim Simpson, said, he said, we're bringing hospitality to everyday life, you know, which you don't expect when you go to the office that, that you expect maybe the front desk person to say, hey, good morning, good night, but not... Hi, Matthew. How are you? How's that project you're working on? By the way, we just um, brought in this company I think could be a great strategic introduction for you. Let me facilitate that introduction. Um, you, you know, as a byproduct of you being so rich and experienced in the hospitality business, us wanting to incorporate that as part of our member experience, we hired you to spearhead our team retreat back in March, which of course happened just before all of this uh, happened. We never would have known it on that weekend away. Um, what was ahead for us and so was there was there a big it's what we should, just, we should have just stayed at the house and just we never should come. have just if only we were still there yeah so what was your biggest takeaway from leading that retreat with us in march you know i i i didn't realize how impactful you know just being able to speak about hospitality could really uh help other people grow i mean literally in just two days uh the different answers that we were receiving from day one to day th two and a half um it just, it amazed me that like people could go from just thinking hospitality is being nice to people and just, you know, providing a service 
to hospitality is going way above and beyond. I mean, we created our acronym of hospitality and we had a ton of overlap and we also had a ton of just like wide range of feelings of what hospitality means to people. And I think that's like the biggest thing is that you can ask a thousand different people what hospitality is. Uh, and I would say probably 900 of them are going to have unique answers. Uh, mm. but, you know, it's going to, it's, it's so different uh, to everybody. Uh, the unique experience uh, the, you know, some people want to be talked to. Some people don't. Some people uh, like to be in the middle of the room. Some people want to be in the corner. They don't want it to be seen. Right. There's just so many different feelings of what being hospitable means to people. And I think being able to, you know, especially as someone who's worked in hospitality for so long, I, you know, and I, I'm a confident person. I consider myself to be knowledgeable, but when you sit there and you, you hear all these other people talk about it, you just start to realize like how much more there is to learn and how much more there is to grow and, and how, how much there is to hospitality that it's not just, it's not just this or it's not just that, but it, it really is whatever it means to everybody. Right? I mean, I love, you know, Danny Meyer says hospitality included now, right? Like it's not just service included, but it's hospitality included on his. Mm. So mm. It, when Does you can't he say leave, that on their checks now? Yeah, when you can't, you can't leave a tip in his restaurants anymore. So instead of saying, you know, your service is included, he, he on his checks, it says your hospitality is included. And, mm. and that's like, you know, I, I know I'm a huge Danny Meyer fan and obviously huge. for him. And uh, it, it just it changes the game where you can, where you can tell someone uh, I'm not just providing service, I'm providing hospitality. It's really, yeah. it's, a, it's different. You know, I interviewed him a month or two ago, actually. You know, I recorded the interview. I wasn't, um, Instagram wasn't archiving them at that time. I'm actually going to put it up here um, in the next couple of days. I'll put up my interview with Danny. Um, it, he's um, unbelievable, of course. Um, you know, you're, what you're saying is reminding me of that, you know, they say the old golden rule is do unto others as you would have done to you. But it's almost like the twist in hospitality of, the, of that is, uh, treat others not as you want to be treated, but as they want to be treated, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, a, a lot of servers and managers and, and, and all these people, they, they have this idea of, okay, everyone wants to be pampered and we have to give them everything and be nice. And, but you know what? You have to read everybody who comes in. It's such a, such a different um, experience for every, every single person. And even two people or three people or four people who might be sitting together might have different thoughts of what they want their hospitality experience to be like. And so I think it's just so important to don't just assume, don't just provide the same hospitality to everybody, but really try to understand what hospitality means to the person you're speaking to. And if that means silence and just like a pour of water every time they need it and walking away, you know, people, I, I have made friends with people who have said, Hey, that was the best service ever. And I was like, I don't even think I said a word to you, you know, and it's, it's, it's it, that's that's how much it can be impactful, you know. Yeah, yeah. I have so I have one other question before a quick question, and then we're going to do lightning round. Um, okay. But by the way, if you didn't listen to it, and anyone who's listening here, for an example of what you're talking about, the diversity and hospitality, the interview that I did maybe two weeks ago with Tim Simpson, who yep. has a background in hotels, so that level of hospitality for the last or last that type of hospitality the last eight ten years or so, the interview was excellent and and just so many other facets of hospitality that he introduced in our conversation i think anyone listening here that's interested in listening to you would love to hear that interview as well um so you've been president of the young professional board for six and a half years to do something for six and a half years in this day and age must mean you're passionate about it uh what what is it tell us more about it uh steve's camp 
Steve's Camp is an incredible, incredible uh, nonprofit organization. Uh, it's unfortunately we're skipping this summer because of COVID, but uh, yeah. it is a summer camp experience that sends uh, underserved youth from the outer boroughs of the city, from Staten Island and Queens and Brooklyn and the Bronx, and some from Manhattan as well, um, to a summer camp upstate, a free summer camp experience where they grow their own vegetables with a with a farmer. They're cooking their own food. Uh, uh, chopped, you know, chopped type events with some of the kids as well. And uh, uh, most importantly, really teach them how to respond and respect the people around them. Because, you know, a lot of these kids are coming from neighborhoods and communities where uh, they don't have that person to look up to. Uh, their their dinner every night is from fast food. And, and they're just not educated in the way uh, about how to, how to treat your body and your mind uh, the right way. Uh, so we, you know, for the last eight years now have been sending, uh, I think at this point we're, about like 1,400 campers in total over the last eight years, if not a little less, um, have gone through this program. Uh, some who couldn't, were so shy, couldn't speak a word before. And that same girl who I'm thinking about now has sung national anthems at Knicks games and uh, is going oh. to Columbia. And, uh, you know, it, it's really shown uh, how much of an impact, uh, just a little uh, attention and education and, uh, you know, focus on and your, your health can, can have. So. Oh, how awesome. So that is the Young Professional Board, and the camp is? Called Steve's Camp. Steve's Camp at Home. Yeah. Yeah, cool. very... So last question before we go to the lightning round. What's the best thing to happen to you this year, Maddie? <sighs> Not very much, unfortunately. Uh, this year has been a weird year for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, we start, Our family as a whole definitely started the year uh, with one of the best things that you can ever have. My, my, my oldest brother or my older brother, uh, had a baby boy. Uh, his name is Jake. And, uh, we had girls, uh, in the family prior. Uh, so as a, uh, you know, as a New York giants fan and, uh, uh, you know, just someone who is very excited to uh, have a little nephew, uh, no doubt in my mind, uh, having him around has been quite enjoyable. My twin sister got, got my brother, this little gift of a pillow, of Jake on the pillow. It's a picture yeah. of, him. and so <laughs> it's a very funny. Gift. My brother today sent a picture of the pillow and Jake wearing the same outfit next to each other, and oh. just make see him. He's he's such a cute little guy. So definitely the gift of, the gift of life, the miracle of life. It is it is a gift. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, ready for our lightning round? I don't think so, but let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. I think. All right, you're gonna do great. Just just yeah. you wait. Here we go. All right, number one, rename the coronavirus. Um, the work from home virus. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? Uh, don't ever stop learning. And which is interesting because I didn't graduate college, but I've learned to never stop learning since I stopped learning. Just not in college. Exactly. Right. So where are you turning for inspiration right now? Not related to you. Um, Honestly, uh, I'm, re I'm reading as much as possible about my, my, my icons. I read Setting the Table again, uh, Bourdain's book, I, I, you know, people that just always inspired me in the past, who I may have kind of lost touch with, you know, especially given that I'm doing my own thing now, not working for others. Uh, I'm trying to read as much as those books to remember how they started, remember the troubles they went through and kind of reinvigorate me a little bit so oh, i'm gonna take that in just just yeah. the 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 reminder that others are going through this has been one of the only sort of solaces i'm experiencing through all of this so what was one of your most memorable dining experiences 
I know you have so many. What's the first one that pops into your mind? Honestly, last year I was in Chile with my twin sister. Um, and we went to a restaurant called Restaurant uh, 040 or 040. Um, and it's actually a Spanish chef cooking Asian food in Chile. Uh, Asian-inspired food. So it's like Spanish-Asian uh, Chilean foods. Um, I just It was just such a... I remember almost every plate. I just like the detail of it. Um, and then for, out of nowhere, he actually did a pop-up restaurant in New York City uh, a month, you know, six months later, and we ended up being able to see him and talk to him about it and everything. So just the two of those, I think, connecting was just one of the coolest things that's ever happened. So. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Um, so what, which brands get it right, and why do you say that? Wow. Um, yeah, just a couple. Yeah, no, I mean, look, you got, I think Four Seasons comes to mind first and foremost, mainly because of their immediate reaction to uh, COVID. They, their hotels were empty. I mean, completely empty. And, you know, keep in mind, Four Seasons is a management company. So each hotel operates almost differently and separately because they're owned by different owners. Uh, so for them to be able to uh, create this full brand within all of their properties that has given back to the workers, uh, the frontline workers, they literally in New York, in all the big cities, they filled up all their hotels with frontline workers. So they didn't have to go home to their families and, 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 and potentially infect other people. Um, and people working there stayed working to help those people. I mean, a brand like that with such a massive, massive uh, pull in the industry to make a move like that was just, I mean, you can't do better. Um, obviously you have put, you know, Union Square. I mean, I know people who have been furloughed and laid off from there, but I also know that those exact people have been spoken to by Union Square on a constant basis to say, hey, uh, we, the moment we can get you back, we want to get you back, right? I mean, yeah. someone who was furloughed, uh, you know, from my own work, you know, I furloughed myself, right? I stopped paying myself. It, to have the comfort of your your boss and your boss's boss of people staying in touch with you through this process and and, and making you feel comfortable even while they're not paying you, you're not doing work for them, you're not doing anything for them, yet they still find the time to reach out and, and find ways to, to stay in touch. You know, it, it's so important to those long-term who want to come back. Um, you know, I, I give a shout-out to Sweet Catch. I mean, they fed literally 1,500, they served 1,500 Poke Bowls uh, to frontline workers in just the first uh, two or three weeks of COVID. Um, you know, as a business who was certainly didn't have lines out the door. Uh, it definitely uh, allowed me to realize that, w you know, we built something special and you know, we did something that uh, is beyond just the food you're picking up, but it's a brand. Uh, it's, there's a meaning to what we do. So, you know, I, I think brands who are doing those types of things, it, it's really important to stay engaged. So, you know, yeah. very, very well done. Heart's in the right place. Are you an early bird or a night owl? <sighs> beyond a night owl. I, I, if I could, if I could go to sleep at, at 3 a.m. every day, I would. Uh, if I could. When do you go to sleep? Like one or two. I force my. But if you, my... could, but if you if, could go if, to sleep at three. three I go to sleep later, but I only go to sleep because I know I have to be up early for work. Uh, you go to sleep at one and wake up at like five, don't you? You're <laughs> kind of crazy like that, aren't you? During COVID, it's a little different. I know that I have a little okay, more. Good. You're getting some rest? Yeah, I'm well sleeping. Done. I get up, well, I do a Okay. What's your favorite word? Favorite word. Um, wow. Uh, favorite word. Cool. I like cool. 
Awesome. Fine. Cool. 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 Fine. Fine. Yeah. Hey. Cool. That's cool. Um, what's your favorite quote? Favorite quote. Okay. Um, it's just, I'm going to use one that I've used a lot, just because it's it's resonated with me since the the start of hospitality. Uh, it's a Gandhi quote, actually, which uh, very very moving to me. Uh, the quote is: "The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself." in the service to others. So by serving and by giving to others and by just focusing on what are, you learn a lot about yourself and what you're able to give, what your, what your limits are, what you, you know, where you get to a point where you're like, you know what, I don't want to service you anymore. I'm done with it. I, I don't feel that way anymore. Right. So you learn so much about yourself in the, in the service you provide to others. And that's just resonated with me from the start. I mean, uh, the service was always the most important part of what I'm doing. Uh, so the idea that I can learn about myself through that is just such a rewarding experience. So, so cool. Um, okay. Second to last question. Hottest topic during the time of Corona toilet paper, Matthew, do you pull over or under it? The right way is over. There's no, yes. it's not, a, it's not a. Danny that's... Meyer also was like, obviously over i mean he was emphatic really passionate response also yes some of the great the danny meyer miguel mckelvey co-founder of we work also emphatic i got know. in trouble actually because i when i worked at abigail kirsch my gm david sanchez walked into the room and said matthew what's wrong with the bathroom i said nothing it's great actually and he looked at the toilet paper and told me that it is actually incorrect and it needs to go over and so from there on out, I've never, I've never done an under. I'm always an over. Schooled in the TP department. All right, last question. Here we go. 2020 or 2021? I'm going to say 2021 because I'm such an optimistic guy. Um, I really believe that we're going to get through this year. And when 2021 comes, everything that had been done is going to, it's going to, we're going to go the other direction and we're going to grow. We're going to build and we're going to get happy again. We're going to see people, um, and restaurants are going to be open, and uh, and I'm going to be in my co-working office and primary working, and uh, 2021's our year. It's everyone's uh, year. So. I love it. Matthew Brunwasser, thank you so much for helping me to close out the, the final episode in the month of June of the 2020 co-working edition uh, series of interviews. What a what a delight to to have you in my life. I'm so glad that we know each other. Everyone, please... Uh, order some, if you live in New York City, order from um, Sweet Catch Poke, order some takeout poke um, to support his business, Ember Hospitality, EMBR, and the Chef Agency. If you know anyone in the hospitality industry that needs to be placed, you can reach out to Matthew on that front also. Um, you. You're a delight. Well done to Mama and Papa Brunwazer also, if they were <laughs> listening in here. <laughs> Thank you. Lisa, oh, such a pleasure. Uh, feel like we, if we want, we could just do this for the next few hours and let everyone else off. But uh, thank you. Totally. It's an honor to have, to, to have yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, to tune in. Take care. Bye.